Hey everyone, welcome to our preview show for this week's exciting college football games, the Dan and Joe Sports Show. As always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe. All right, Joe, I just got off waxing poetic about the voodoo magic and the crazy witchy things that have happened at Jordan Hare Stadium. Well, you just had the craziest of all of them happen last week against Missouri, but that leads into a rivalry that has had more than its fair share of crazy endings at Jordan Hare and in general, and that's the Auburn LSU series, which while it is not as important as the Auburn Alabama, the Iron Bowl, or of course the Auburn Georgia, the deep South's oldest rivalry, the Auburn LSU series has its own, has a mind of its own. It's a very important game that has crazy improbable endings, maybe even more so than what you get in uh, the Iron Bowl or in the deep South's oldest rivalry. And I was talking about earlier in this last segment where I was analyzing some of the craziest endings that they've had uh, where Auburn just snuck victory out of the jaws of defeat at Jordan-Hare in important games. Some of the 2016 Auburn-LSU game where it was basically a known thing that if Auburn lost the game, that Gus Malzahn was going to lose his job. Lo and behold, Les Miles didn't get the snap off in time to get the touchdown, and Les Miles got shown the door while Gus ended up having a pretty good season in the next year, winning the SEC West and actually having a chance to get Auburn in the college football playoff. Uh, this is my reminder to Auburn fans that things can look bleak, but they can turn around really fast. And I see a lot of things in this Auburn team that are kind of similar to that 2016 team. I see a defense that can be pretty strong. It's got good linebacker play. I see good running backs. Tank Bigsby and uh, Jarquez Hunter are excellent running backs. There's poor quarterback play. But this is a game that can really turn the tide of Auburn's season and maybe mean that they could still have a solid season and maybe prepare for the next season and still save Brian Harson's job. And, Joe, on the flip side of this, this is going to be the most intense environment that Brian Kelly has played in maybe as a football coach ever. Because you think about it, at Notre Dame, you know, maybe he went to USC, hasn't been much of an environment. I guess maybe he's gone He's gone to Michigan, which can be, you know, very loud. But he's never been in a rivalry, in an SEC rivalry, in a stadium where things like this happen at night. And I'm just fascinated to see how LSU plays in this game based on the fact that, Brian Kelly is going to be a deer in the headlights when he sees this atmosphere. It's going to be interesting because I feel like there are three games this weekend where, for me personally, it's almost a coin flip. This game, A&M, Mississippi State, and Ole Miss, Kentucky, like, for me, it's a pick em. I really cannot get a good read on any of those three games. Um, if you told me any of those six teams won, I would not be surprised, starting with this game. I think that coming out of the Florida State game, I would have picked Auburn to win. Mm -hmm. I'm going to probably surprise you and go LSU. Not really a particular reason other than I have seen LSU get some momentum coming out of that opening loss and then also uh, knocking off Mississippi State the way they did. Yeah, Joe, I mean, I think that by every right, LSU should win this game. I think they're better than Auburn, uh, probably better coached than Auburn is. Um, I just, you know, I, I look at this and I really think that the atmosphere that Auburn is going to have, 
LSU, I think, is also looking forward a little bit because they have Tennessee next week. That's going to be something that they got coming up right there. It's going to be a top 10 Tennessee fan, Tennessee game. I've seen LSU drop a really close game already this year, and one in which it was a friendly environment. They lost a game in the Superdome. I don't even know if the history of time if LSU had lost a game in the Superdome before this game they lost against Florida State where they missed the extra point. And, you know, that's something that kind of rubs me a little bit wrong. I think that, like I said, this is going to be Brian Kelly's first game as an SEC head coach in what is one of the best environments in the SEC. And like I said, I mean, I really think that this Auburn team knows they're playing for Brian, for Brian Harson's job because I almost feel like at this point, you, of course, remember the movie, remember the Titans, right? Mm-hmm. What right. is it? What is it that Coach Boone is told? Like within the first couple weeks that he's there, that the second you lose a football game, you're getting fired. That's basically where Brian Harson is right now. He's got passes against teams like Alabama and Georgia, but everyone else, pretty much, he's got to win most of them. And this is one that I think he has to have to win. And you know, you look at it from a logical standpoint, I think LSU's got a better quarterback. I think Jaden Daniels is limited when it comes to passing, but he's a very good rushing quarterback. Um, I think LSU's defensive line is going to have a lot of success against Auburn. But one thing I do like what Auburn has right now, and I think that can work against LSU, is they're susceptible to running quarterbacks. I saw Jordan Travis of Florida State have a lot of success running the ball against, uh, against LSU and a lot of success throwing to his tight ends. And, you know, Auburn's got good tight ends this year, one of the deeper tight end, tight end rooms outside of Georgia. And I think that I have seen Robbie Ashford improve a little bit. And I think that they're going to they're gonna actually use Tank and Jarquez the way that they need to in this game. And I really think that, you know, ultimately LSU is a better team. And if this was in Baton Rouge, I would 100% say LSU would win, probably by multiple touchdowns maybe. But I just think that this being in Jordan-Hare Stadium at night, especially coming off what that crazy game was in Missouri and knowing everything that needs to happen, and these Auburn players knowing the fact that they have to win this game for Brian Harson, And you can even see it, Joe, in the locker room after that game last week, the celebration that they had, the videos everywhere. Of course, there's been a lot of people mocking it, which I get it. I mean, it was a win over Missouri. You know, you shouldn't be that excited. But what they were excited about was knowing that a coach they cared about is still going to be there. And I really think that the motivation to win this game is so much more on Auburn's side. And from an emotional standpoint, I'm just going to think – I think Auburn's going to win when you add all those things in together. They shouldn't, but I think they will in a close, in a close one. I mean, you definitely make a compelling case. Would not surprise me a bit if that happened. Um, I'm just going to lean LSU, and you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I think it'll be it'll be fascinating. It will. But let me tell you this, Joe: if Auburn does win, it'll be within one score, and something crazy is going to happen. Some of that video. I would think so. Out. I would think so. But you know, one thing also I like about Harson too, and for me, advocating for him to keep his job. He did beat LSU last year in Baton Rouge and ended that awful streak that had been going on since 1999. That was a long time for me, Joe. I could barely even remember the last time that Auburn had beaten LSU in Baton Rouge. The cigar game, I vaguely remembered it. But what I did remember was all the awful losses that Auburn had there. They had, of course, the game where John Vaughn uh, missed five field goals 
where the joke after the game was that he tried to kill himself by hanging himself, but he missed kicking the chair out from underneath himself. I remember that one. I remember the Javier Bird play with the touchdown that ended on the last second. And there was just so many losses that Auburn had. In, in, and then, of course, the 2017 team that ultimately made the SEC championship, they blew a 20 to nothing lead in Baton Rouge. And Brian Harson won that game last year. No one's talking about this. That was a huge win. And, you know, if he can win this one too, that'll make three years in a row that Auburn has beaten LSU. I don't know that that's ever happened. At least in my mind, I can never remember Auburn beating LSU three years in a row. So, like I said, there's a lot of things that, that go in where I think if he can win this game, the noise is going to just quiet so much. And so, like I said, I just I got a good feeling with all these factors coming in that's going to happen, even though I think LSU is the better football team. Yeah, it could definitely change a lot. And for whoever wins, I mean, it's going to be a potentially a different season. You know, it's a gauntlet of the schedule, you know, for the loser going forward. And if LSU loses, you know, suddenly everybody's saying, you know, that Brian Kelly, you know, is in the SEC and he just wasn't, you know, ready for um, that type of job. That's right, Joe. I mean, this is a game that decides whether traditional powers in the SEC are going to be among the bottom feeders or if they still have a chance to be in a, a rightful place in this league. That's what this game decides right here. Um, is Auburn going to be a bottom feeder this year? Is LSU going to be a bottom feeder or do they still have a chance to come up and still have a good season? And that's what we're going to find out of this game. Right. Absolutely. All right, Joe. Well, let's say that Auburn does lose this game and becomes a bottom feeder and Brian Harson's on the next plane back to Boise. That leads me into a potential coaching uh, uh, option for Auburn. And it leads me to my walk of the week. Uh, Joe, Coastal Carolina has just been excellent. Uh, they're a covering machine. I love their offense. You know, it's kind of in my mind like a improved version of Gus Malzahn's offense. It's got a lot of the wing T things moved in. There's a lot of spread running attack, and they do a lot of pop passes. And they've got a quarterback who's 45 years old and Grayson McCall, who just he just he kills it with his offense. And I really love what Jamie Chadwell does. And I think that let's say that Brian Harson loses this game and ultimately gets fired. I think Jamie Chadwell will be a great person for Auburn to hire. Auburn has had a history of, you know, they were called running back you. That's always been Auburn's thing is they get the best running backs. And throughout time, it's been saying that Jamie Chadwell, I think his offense would be very appealing to a running back and to a running quarterback who from Cam Newton to Nick Marshall, that's been something that's worked out really good for Auburn. And right now, Coastal Carolina has taken on Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern's a pretty good football team. They beat Nebraska, and, you know, funny, we're talking about firing. They ended Scott Frost's career. Coastal Carolina is a 10.5-point favorite versus Georgia Southern. Uh, last week, I saw Coastal Carolina beat not record-wise very good, but talent-wise a very good, talented Georgia State team in Atlanta at the old Turner Field. They beat them by four touchdowns. Uh, Joe, I like Coastal Carolina to cover maybe the rest of the season because they're excellent. And if we had this 12-team playoff, there's no doubt in my mind that Coastal Carolina would be in it at the end of the season. I personally would love it if we have a lot of chaos to see them have the chance to make the college football playoff this year. And I think that there's no doubt at the end of the year they're going to be a top-10 team. I like Coastal Carolina, Grayson McCall, Jamie Chadwell to cover this game at 10.5. 
I can certainly see that. I'm still surprised, you know, that Chadwell, you know, didn't get a, a job or take a job, you know, in the last cycle or two, you know, with the hype that he got. And I don't know if I'm more surprised about that or the fact that uh, Grayson McCall still has eligibility. But either way, I think, you know, that's a good pick on your part. Um, the lock of the week for me is I was looking at the uh, Nebraska-Indiana game um, at Nebraska, and I saw where uh, stunningly – Nebraska is a five and a half point favorite the last time I think I checked in that game. And I think you definitely have to give uh, the nod here and go with three and one Indiana. Joe, I wouldn't favor Nebraska against Millsaps right now. I mean, I wouldn't favor them against anybody. University of Mobile, it doesn't matter. This Nebraska team is a dumpster fire right now. They're awful. Joe, they lost to a team that lost to – Northern Illinois and Southern Illinois in back-to-back weeks. I mean, Northwestern is terrible, and Nebraska lost to them when they were leading. Uh, Indiana, they did lose a game last week to Cincinnati by three touchdowns, but Tom Allen's got a very disciplined team. They beat a good Illinois team earlier this year. Uh, The wrong team's favored in this, and I love this pick of uh, taking – um, Tom Allen and the Indiana Hoosiers on the money line against a really bad Nebraska product right now. Right. And Joe, here I'm going to give a couple freebies here too. I was looking at my pick sheet today, and this is the most money line picks that I've even considered all season. And there's a couple other ones that I think are solid money line picks for anybody that's going to Biloxi, Tunica, Vegas, what have you. Um, Florida State is actually favored against Wake Forest, which despite Florida State's win over LSU, which was really good, you know, talking about keeping your job, I think that secured uh, Mike Norvell's job, at least for this season, and quelled the Deion Sanders rumors. Um, You know, Florida State's been good. They're a good story. They're undefeated. But they haven't really, you know, until we know what LSU is after they play Auburn, I wouldn't say they haven't really beaten anybody yet. They looked pretty bad against the Louisville team, which I don't have a lot of respect for. Barely beat them. And they're undefeated, but, you know, they're, they've been close to losing a couple times. Wake Forest looks excellent to me. They had a great chance to beat Clemson last week. It's not like Clemson, like, threw four interceptions or something or played sloppy. Clemson had to play a pretty good game to beat Wake Forest. Um, I like Jordan Travis as a quarterback at, at Florida State, but I think Sam Hardman's a lot better. And I think that uh, Wake Forest is a good money line pick in a game where I can't believe Florida State's favored over them. I can see that. And, Joe, the last one that I have, uh, you know, of course we had to talk about the joy that I had in watching Texas lose to Texas Tech last week and completely make this narrative of Texas being back just a recurring joke. It's just always so funny that people just want to propagate it. Um, They're playing West Virginia this week. And West Virginia, in my eyes, is by far the best two and two team in America. They got robbed in that in that uh, in that game against Pittsburgh. Uh, poor interception, uh, you know, a joke interception return for a touchdown when a West Virginia guy dropped it. And then, of course, what I thought was a really controversial call at the end of the game, where JT Daniels was playing out of his mind, threw a great pass, and I thought the West Virginia guy caught it at the one yard line. But for some reason, they overturned it and said it was incomplete. I don't know where they got that from. And Pittsburgh got the win. And then West Virginia lost to Kansas. And the story of college football, Lance Leipold's Kansas Jayhawks, who were undefeated, 
in an overtime game. And those are the two losses right now that West Virginia has. West Virginia like destroyed Virginia Tech last week. They have a solid running attack. They have a good defense. And I think that West Virginia beats, beats Texas straight up and puts Sark on a really flaming hot seat coming into next week. That would definitely be flaming hot if that happens. That would be really something. That's it. So that's two freebies right there. You're welcome. And, Joe, you mentioned a couple other games that you thought were, you know, toss-ups. You know, LSU and Auburn, that's one. Let's go and let's look at A&M and Mississippi State. Uh, Texas A&M is coming off a game where, you know, they they survived by the, the hair of their chinny-chin-chin, didn't deserve to beat Arkansas. Arkansas is probably a better football team than them. And they're playing a Mississippi State team who, outside of one quarter in the LSU game, has probably looked better than I've seen them look in a quite some time. Um, you know, they've been pretty dominant through most of the, the season. Um but, you know, they they were unable to hold on to the game against LSU, and LSU was able to come back and pull this off with a great fourth quarter. Uh, and, you know, Mississippi State seems to have a much better offense than A&M. They, you know, they have a pretty solid defense. But, Joe, after what I saw and the way they collapsed against LSU, is Mississippi State tough enough to win a game like this? I think they can in Starkville, and I think also you have uh, A&M coming off, you know, the win against Arkansas because it can work, you know, both ways. You know, if you're a team like Arkansas losing a game like that, it can make it tough to bounce back the next week. But if you win a game like that the way A&M did, sometimes I've seen teams where that just kind of either goes to your head with the luck or you just don't have the same focus the next week. And I really feel like Will Rogers – and uh, just this razor-sharp offense for Mississippi State. You know, I don't know if they have the clutch gene at times, but I think this is a really, really dynamic offense, and I think they'll be able to uh, outlast A&M. Joe, I think this is going to be a close game, and I, I do think that Mississippi State's a good football team, but kind of like Arkansas, I don't think they're ready for prime time yet. And in these games where you have the helmets that have been there that have won these close games – I know that A&M lost the game to App State, which was quite funny, but they've had a good recovery from their Their defense is excellent. They've got one of the best defenses. Um, and I think that A&M, with their excellent running attack that you have, um, A-Chain, I mean, A-Chain was off the chain against Arkansas last week. I think he had, what, like 220 yards rushing in that game, a couple touchdowns. I think Max Johnson's playing a little better. And, Joe, in the end, I don't trust Mike Leach's offense against a really good defense. And I also trust uh, Jimbo Fisher to coach well and win a tight game. I'm giving the slightest edge to Texas A&M in this one to keep up what is a very weird season for them, but one where they're going to hang around the top 20 because they keep on winning. So I like Texas A&M in this and probably kind of more of a low-scoring slugfest. Yeah, I think it could really be, um, you know, an interesting game because I think it's going to be a game that's kind of buried behind the headliners of, you know, Arkansas, Bama, and Ole Miss, Kentucky. Yes, I think so too. I mean, I think it's a very good football game. And yet again, I mean, like, like you know, I said earlier, I picked Auburn to beat LSU. It's possible that Mississippi State's a better football team than A&M is. 
Mm-hmm. I just don't trust them to win a close game because I saw what happened in that game against LSU, and that was that was a real setback, I think, for Mississippi State football losing that game. I would be more sold on AM if not for Miami losing the way they did last week. That that's the one thing that makes me a little bit more cautious about AM. Well, let me say this, Jay. I think when you start going into that huge analysis of what other teams did, I mean, is does Alabama something look terrible right now because Texas went out and lost to you know Texas Tech? Yeah, I think that well, it, it shows the vulnerability for them for for me for sure. It does. Well, hey, Joe, speaking of te- Alabama's vulnerabilities, they're traveling to Fayetteville this week to take on Arkansas in a game that probably had Arkansas not had the oink and that field goal had gone through, probably would be college game day right now. It'd be the biggest game that we've seen in Arkansas since maybe 2010, you know, in that kind of realm. The question is, we think that Sam Pittman's a good coach. He's obviously built a lot at Arkansas. They had they were falling way behind the eight ball. He's hosting Alabama. He seems to have all of the pieces to be able to hang with him. He's got a really great running quarterback in KJ Jefferson. He's got some pretty good receivers, Jaden Hazelwood. Um, he's got, you know, a good running back in um uh Rocket Sanders. Um you know, he's even got a he's got even got the number one uh the number one defense when it comes to sacks in the SEC, which includes a former five star that played for Alabama and Drew Sanders, who's their leading tackler right now. Does Arkansas have a legitimate chance to win this game, Joe? I don't see it. Um, you know, I would like to think that they have a chance. You know, coming into the season, I was really high on KJ Jefferson. If they won last week, you know, I thought maybe there was some promise there, but I kind of look, you know, just the emotional loss last week. I think it's probably going to be something that turns into two losses, especially against a Bama team that basically got a bye last week, um, you know, having an easy game against Vanderbilt. Well, Joe, here's what I think. Um, I don't think Arkansas wins this game. I like Alabama to win this. But I do think that Arkansas is going to keep it close. I, I do trust Sam Pittman's ability to not let that A&M game just completely destroy the rest of their season and, and get them down. Um, I think that, you know, we saw that this Alabama defense is not quite as good as everybody made it out to be. And I think that K.J. Jefferson is going to have his chances to hit people like Jadon Hazelwood uh, deep. And I think that, you know, the rush attack from – I mean, the, uh, the defensive rush from Drew Sanders and from Bumper Pool – and the good front seven that Arkansas has, they're going to get to Bryce Young a little bit. Where Arkansas loses this game is their secondary. They have a very poor secondary, one of the worst ones in America, and I think Bryce Young is going to eat him alive. Yeah, this Bama team, I feel like without Bryce Young, in my opinion, this is like a three-loss Bama team. But because they have Bryce Young, that gives them a chance in every game. I still think you know they'll probably slip up at least once. I think so too, Joe. The biggest problem I see for Alabama is their offensive line is not near as good as it was in the past. Uh, they don't have the same kind of rushing attack. I think Jameer Gibbs is good, but he's more of a utility back than he is what you really want when you're Alabama, which is the bruiser that can get it all the time and you know get you three yards in a cloud of dust and get you 150 yards rushing. Now, he may get 50 yards receiving, but he's not going to have that many 100-yard games, I don't think. And then we go to the wide receivers. There is no, there, there's no Jameson Williams. There's no Amari Cooper. No Jalen Waddle. No Jerry Judy. I mean, their best receiver is 
who? Ja'Cory Brooks. I mean, he he had a great touchdown to tie the game in, 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 against Auburn in the Iron Bowl last year. But Ja'Cory Brooks isn't even in the same sentence as any of those people I mentioned. He's not even anywhere near as good as John Mechie. I don't see the same level of talent at the receiver position for Alabama this year. Yeah, no, I think that that's a, a good point. And I could see Arkansas making this, you know, a very interesting game and then Alabama, you know, finding a way down the stretch. Exactly. Like, yet, yet again, we saw with Arkansas last week, they're not ready for prime time. They can't win games like this yet, especially close games. But I do think that based on what happened, they're going to play them tight. And I kind of would, you know, maybe think that had Arkansas won that game last week, you had college game day there and all eyes were on them, maybe the same thing would have happened as when they played Georgia last year and they might have gotten ran out of the stadium. And now I don't think that's going to happen, but I just don't see them winning. Yeah, I, I don't see a formula where they win. All right, Joe. Um, yeah, I say we're going we're gonna to leave talking about Ole Miss and, and Kentucky until the very end. So let's go a little bit outside the conference. Um, you know, we talked about Wake Forest and Florida State as one that I saw as a really good uh, chance to take an underdog in the Demon Deacons. Uh, do you see Wake Forest winning this game and ending Wake and ending Florida State's uh, surprising undefeated season so far? I would say yes, more than likely. Um, it still wouldn't surprise me if Florida State won just because when I praise um, Wake Forest, I kind of look at them as just such an offensive juggernaut, but their defense, you know, often lets them down. And that was the issue last year. I mean, that was really the difference between them maybe being an undefeated team going into the ACC championship game last year was that they gave up too many points. Like mm -hmm. they had that game against uh, North Carolina last year where they gave up just so many points, even though their offense uh, came out and played well. And, I could see that being the case against Florida State. I'll, I'll say this. I know that Wake Forest's offense is going to show up. You know, does their defense put forth enough resistance to beat Florida State? Yeah, that's definitely the question here because I think Florida State's got a pretty solid offense. I really like Jordan Travis and the way that he's developed as a quarterback. Um, they also have one really solid receiver there. Um, it's just going to be – it's going to be how many how many stops can Florida State's defense get, and does Wake Forest defense have a pulse? That will answer the question: Who wins that game? Exactly. All right, Joe. Now let's move on to a game where both teams have defenses that have more than ample pulses, and in fact are the strongest units on the field. And let's also stay in the in the ACC with Clemson and NC State. This is your college game day game. Really good quarterback uh, showdown between Devin Leary of NC State and D DJ Uyangagale of uh, Clemson. Clemson's coming off a really emotional, hard-fought win over Wake Forest last week that went into overtime. Um, NC State, you know, survived the scare week one in a game they should have lost against East Carolina and what's really just been a rough year for kickers when you think about all these games that have – ended in missed field goals. I don't know that I've ever seen this many. And NC State, uh, this is the year where a lot of people had him as a dark horse college football playoff contender. A lot of people looked at him as the team that's going to win the ACC. Well, Joe, this is their chance. What do you think about Devin Leary and the Wolfpack taking on Clemson? If it doesn't happen this year, it's just not going to happen ever for NC State. I mean, this is their prime golden opportunity. I mean, with the game being at Clemson, I mean, I have to give the edge to Clemson. Um, to me, DJ's play 
you know, looking like he did, like you said earlier, two years ago against Notre Dame on offense, that showed a lot for me. I mean, my biggest concern is that Clemson's defense gave up all those points. I mean, albeit to Sam Hartman, but that still, you know, I did not expect them to give up 45 points. And so that'd be the only pause for concern to maybe give NC State some hope. But I do see Clemson winning this game. Joe, I'm a big believer in Dabo. Um, and I also am a big believer in him when I see his offense win games. Last year, that was the problem for Clemson is that their defense didn't take much of a step back, but their offense took so many steps back. And you didn't see any games last year where DJ and the offense went out and won the game for Clemson. Well, I saw them do it last week, and I saw them take Wake Forest's best shots on, you know, and motivate a defense that we know is super talented. I mean, you know, Bryce Young was not the number one player in America coming out of uh, high school a couple years ago. You know who was, Joe? Brian Breezy, the defensive lineman for Clemson. There's a reason for that because he's that good. That Clemson defensive line is excellent. And I think that NC State showed in the first week that they were overrated when they should have lost to East Carolina. That game was not a fluke. Clemson right now has a quarterback that finally has confidence, that has all the talent in the world. By the way, that was the number three overall player in the in America, which is DJ Uyangole, right after Bryce Young. He's got plenty of talent. I think Will Shipley's running the ball really well. I think this Clemson team, they had their test last week. They survived it. And I don't trust NC State, especially not when they're going to take on uh, take on Clemson at Howard's Rock in Death Valley. Got to go with Dabo and Clemson on this to win it. I'm thinking maybe even by 10-plus points. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's a smart pick. Um, I, I think for all the reasons, you know, you stated, you've also got the luxury for Clemson of having a five-star backup quarterback, you know, if something goes wrong. That's right. Everybody's big on Clay, Cade Klubnick. I haven't gotten to watch him yet. I don't think I'm going to get to. I think DJ will play that well. I think so. All right, Joe, uh, coming down to a game at the very end, which uh, is the biggest one uh, for us this week. I mean, I don't know. I've kind of got split allegiances on that. The Auburn LSU also a big one for me, but this is a huge one for Ole Miss. Uh, taking on Kentucky at home, uh, I'm really upset about the 11 a.m. kickoff. You explained to me earlier what the reasoning for it is. doesn't change the fact that I think it's going to affect what could what should be an amazing atmosphere. you got real tree helmets and different uniforms that kind of got the cool blue to it. Um, Joe, what's interesting in this game is going into the season, I never would have thought that Kentucky would have the edge in quarterback, but they have a decisive edge in quarterback. But strangely, I never also wouldn't have thought that Ole Miss has got the edge at running back and the edge on defense. I've been blown away by Ole Miss's defense this year. And fun fact, Joe, uh, I've bet the, the under the last two weeks on Ole Miss's defense covered both times. Ole Miss's defense playing some excellent football right now. Uh, so many storylines with this one. Um, you know, Chris Rodriguez, the really excellent running back for Kentucky, is making his return. Uh, a lot of people talked about Will Levis as a possible first-round draft pick. Kentucky's in the top ten. Uh what happens in this, Joe? And is Kentucky a legit top 10 football team? I think they're legit um, for sure. Um, I think, though, this is anybody's game. Um, there's a lot of factors I'm looking at. You know, the start time is definitely, you know, 
a worthwhile point. You never know how that's going to impact the home crowd as you kind of settle in. Um, I look at the running back situation from an Ole Miss standpoint. I'm a little bit concerned because you have Rodriguez, you know, returning, making his debut. But there's reports that Zach Evans may not be 100% going into this game. Yeah. He's still expected to play, but I do worry about that. Now, you've got Judkins, who's an outstanding, you know, true freshman running back. Had a great also, game last uh, week. Yes. Judkins yes, did. Yes, he did. He did really solid. Um, I feel better if you have both of them 100%, especially because the third string, Ulysses Bentley, um, I don't think he's going to be able to go Saturday. And so a little bit of a depth concern for Ole Miss's running backs, especially with the offense being so reliant on them. What we saw last week against Tulsa is Jackson Dart kind of out of necessity actually ran some read option at times and rushed for at least 50 to 60 yards. I don't know if he's going to do that more this week. I get concerned when a quarterback does that too much. Um, I would you know, like to maybe instead of that set up some screen passes to try to get him some confidence. But I do come into this feeling like you would think on paper Ole Miss has some advantages running back, a little bit concerned that Kentucky may have those advantages this weekend. Yeah, Joe, this is uh this is a fascinating game for me. You know, like I said, I'm a I don't like the start time, but one thing I heard that I think maybe mitigates the the effects that you're gonna have with maybe having not everybody show up for the beginning of the game, maybe not be as hyped as they should be, is that you know, Kentucky's gotta be they're staying an hour outside of town. They're probably gonna have to get up at like 5 a.m. in the morning. Obviously, they're but they're staying in Tupelo or Memphis or something. And that's kind of tough when you have an 11 a.m. game and you're staying an hour outside of town. I think that definitely has an effect. You know, in the end, this is going to be a game where I think the defense is going to help Ole Miss a lot, and that's going to is going to keep them in it. But Joe Jackson Dart is actually going to have to play well. He hasn't had a game this season yet where he had to play well. Uh, I think Lane Kiffin's restricted him a little bit offensively. Um. This is his game because Ole Miss will not be Kentucky unless unless Jackson Dart actually has a good game. Yeah, he's got to uh, come out and really play well and play, you know, a clean game, not have any turnovers. And I think I want to see how, you know, his former USC teammate Michael Trigg looks on this national stage. Um, he had a game against uh, Central Arkansas where he had two or three touchdown receptions. But, you know, I want to see him in this type of environment have a big game and big moments. So, you know, Jonathan Mingo is an important wide receiver. But at the end of the day, though, Dart has the offensive line that's really, really good, a top, I'd say, top three offensive line in the SEC to protect him. And he's a guy with a lot of talent. You know, he was the Gatorade uh, National Player of the Year in high school, put up, put up big numbers at Utah, but he's got to, you know, show that on this stage. That's right, Jay. Um yeah, this is one that I've been like going through my mind multiple times. But when I consider the injury problems that I have, Ole Miss has at running back, I don't trust Jackson Dart. Uh, I've always thought that Altmeyer was the better quarterback. I do like Will Levis. I've seen what Will Levis can do in a hostile environment in the swamp, which is one of the most brutal ones you can be in. He went down there and they got down early against Florida and they came back and won. I really like Mark Stoops as a coach. I'm going to go Kentucky on this one, especially with the return of Chris Rodriguez. 
And Joe, I, you know, in in the end too, I think that 11 a.m. kickoff just really bothers me and what it, the atmosphere that's going to be there. I think if this game was a night game, I would I would still say Ole Miss is going to win. But I'm going Kentucky to win this game in a very low-scoring slugfest. I like Kentucky 24-21 in this one. Okay. Yeah, it's so hard for me, too, because, yeah, like the points I was making and like you referenced, the running back situation and the health of Zach Evans really does concern me. And I want him to be 100% because I think he's a great running back when he's fully healthy alongside Judkins. I think Judkins is better when Evans is 100%. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, there's something about the Lane Kiffin element. I trust him in a game like this. I feel like he will find a way. I feel like he will um, call plays, T and Charlie Weiss Jr., that allow Dart to have some success. And I think that Ole Miss will be able to pull this out. Well, I hope so, Joe. I mean, this would be a huge opportunity. And this would be a game that Kentucky's got in the top 10, Tennessee's got in the top 10. Ole Miss gets in the top 10 if they win this game. And you know, I saw Lane Kiffin give a shout-out to all the fans talking about how upset he was about the turnout for the Tulsa game and how it looked like he was going into a high school game. The fans need to show up for this one. They need to show up early. They need to be loud. And same thing with Auburn and LSU. I mean, you know, the Auburn fans need to create that kind of atmosphere. I know they're a little down on what's happening on the football field, but they can still change a lot of things. That's what my point was. It's been, mm-hmm. you know, the game last week allowed their opportunities to be changed. And Ole Miss needs to have a real home field advantage to win this game, and the 11 a.m. Uh, kickoff doesn't need to affect that. Yeah, I mean, they need to come out and have kind of a crowd like they had against the Arkansas uh, game last year. Mm-hmm. You know, that was just a classic, you know, uh, overtime game. And, and, and that's kind of – I don't expect maybe a game that high scoring, but I do think we'll have some definite craziness in a game like this. That's right. Uh, by the way, Joe, my last little pick I'm going to throw out. I've been talking about how the under has been a covering machine for Ole Miss and its defense. I'd roll with the under on this one again because Kentucky's got a solid defense, and I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. I got 24-21. It wouldn't shock me if this game was 17-14 to even. I could see that. All right, and we will see what happens in all of these big games from Bama, Arkansas, Auburn, LSU – to Ole Miss and Kentucky, all the way to Wake Forest and Florida State. And as always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe.